Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. My name is AJ Kierens, and I am proud to be your host here each and every week as we do our part to introduce you to the artists and designers from around the galaxy who help bring our favorite beers and breweries to life. This week is no different. We are embarking on episode number 56, Cinquenta y Seis, with the one and only Mr. Josh Emmerich. We're very excited to have Josh on the program today. It is very fitting as we embark on our second year of this project that we have Josh on the show. Josh is someone whose work we came to find out via Bottle Logic Brewing in California. And it is a great example of the kind of the foundation and the basis for our project. As we've mentioned before, we are beer agnostic. And while Bottle Logic is a gold medal, world-renowned brewery, we have not had a single drop of their brews. That will definitely change, and we're going to make that happen in the near future. But we fell in love with Josh's work pretty early on, and it was a really great opportunity for us to learn more about him, learn more about his his business, what they're doing at Emmerich. And if you're scoring at home, you know, for the administrative part of the program, it's Emmerich, E-M-R-I-C-H dot co. That's the website. And then Emmerich Office and Emmerich Home are the two Instagram accounts, one that Josh runs and then one that his wife Katie runs. So really was a great opportunity as we embark on our second year to connect with an entrepreneur who really embodies the kind of foundation and mission of our project. You know, Josh is a you know proud father, husband, you know, businessman, and really to me it's a great story. I mean his work is impeccable. It is his branding is really strong. And his love of the, you know, the craft beer industry is really something that is, uh, you can really feel when you talk to him. So this is an episode that we're really uh, happy to share with you. Josh is a great storyteller, really helped to, you know, keep the, the conversations, you know, fluid and allow me to ask questions. And if I, you know, had a recliner here in the studio, I definitely would have the ability to, you know, kick my feet up and still, you know, engage with Josh, but he was really kind of running the show. And so this is a first for us. You're hearing this, you know, if you look, um, you know, at the bottom of the can for this episode, it would say, you know, recorded on, uh, you know, April 12th and we're running live on April 13th. This one's probably, you know, less than 12 hours old. If you look at the big stouts that they have for Biologic, you know, there's a little measurement or a little almost like a odometer or how long it's been measured the needle would definitely be way to the left here this is not one of their you know big barrel aged beauties this is a really super fresh we'll use all the cool buzzwords super dank and hoppy and juicy but we really uh really try to to, to push the envelope here i think it's a really fitting episode the reason that we went this path this week you know if anyone has uh you know kids you know, it's April break, and so we made the decision to, you know, take the kids down to Florida, you know, have that experience, and so came back, you know, we kind of uh, decided to 
put, put ourselves up to the challenge. And so we're really excited to be able to do this and really share it with you. And it was really fitting to be able to do it with, uh, you know, with Team Emmerich and just had really had a great experience, you know, speaking with Josh and learning about his business and his story. And like I said, go to emmerich.co, you know, you can find out more information about there. And then Emmerich Office. I mean, not only is, we don't want to spoil the episode for you, but I mean, Josh is doing work with, you know, a lot of great breweries, you know, his kind of his key or his flagship Keystone account for his own business is Bottlelogic, but he's, you know, creating games. And just, uh, it's just a really great story. So really excited to be able to share this one with you. If you are trying to find us and you just found us, you know, on uh, your podcast network, we thank you. But remember, you can check us out via the World Wide Web at 160zcanvas.com. That is our website. You can also check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're on Vino, but we don't really know what we're doing there. But we got on board because we saw a lot of the artists were, were using that. 16OZ Canvas. Again, I am AJ. This is episode 56. Wow. 56. And we are humbled. We are having a great time. And just as we you know, embarked on our one-year anniversary last week, April 7th, National Beer Day, we couldn't do it without you and you and you and especially you. So just sending our love to all of our family and friends, both new and old, who are supporting this project. It's a great start to our second year to have the one and only Mr. Josh Emmerich, episode 56, 16-ounce canvas, the art. That's right, the art of craft beer podcast. Here we go. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-ounce canvas, the art of craft beer podcast. Really excited to have with us today by way of Indiana, Josh Emmerich. Well, we learned of Josh through his work with uh, Bottle Logic Brewing, Drake's, and a plethora of other great accounts and uh, branding and illustration projects. So really, really excited to be able to connect with Josh. We've been playing tag for a while, which is, I think, Josh, I've come to learn the hardest part of this is is the scheduling. Once I convince people to be a part of it, it's the scheduling. And I always say it's a good thing. If you go to Josh's you know, website, emmerich.co, or even on Instagram, emmerichoffice.com. You can just see that uh, Josh is super busy, so I really appreciate you making the time to, to join us today, Josh. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I said, it's really great. Um, it's the, the fun part of this job is the, the diving in. You know, there's the initial crack of, okay, this, you know, Josh is tied to bottle logic, but then just to kind of explore and go down the, the rabbit hole, so to speak, you really just see the, all the, you know, kind of my mind's been pretty blown. Even... It was uh, funny because Speakeasy, some uh, the the labels and the branding for Speakeasy is something that we've been you know recommended to do also. So to see that you were tied to that and Uinta, I don't know how to pronounce that brewery's name. The U I N T. Uinta. Yeah, Uinta. That yeah, that that's a that's one of the they that should have a little label on the side huh. of how to pronounce it because I always butcher the shit out of that one. Excuse me. Yeah, that uh, that was actually something that um, when I f- first worked on that brand, I haven't uh, worked on that one for a little while now. But um, when we first uh, kind of did their refresh um, back, let's see, in the early 2000 teens, um, one of the things we did was make the U a little bit bigger than the rest of the word, so that you said Uinta, like, and pronounced the U. Um, so it, it, it's a tough one, uh, especially out of state. But it's named after some mountains around the Salt Lake City area. That uh, it's one of the 
only ranges in the, the Rocky Mountain region that runs from east to west as opposed to north to south. And uh, so it's kind of a geological, you know, geographical feature that's uh, there in Salt, around Salt Lake City. So it's, it's kind of more of a local term. But once it goes out of state, it's a little bit harder to pronounce. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but I love, yeah, I love it. And the, the logo is, it was pretty, pretty epic. So I, I, I really, it's vivid. And I think it really ties in a lot of the, the natural you know, wonders of Salt Lake. I was just in Salt Lake, but it was more of a connection flight. So I wish I had a cool, like, I had this awesome <laughs> experience in Salt Lake, but it was just more of a, a connection flight from uh, getting home from Vegas. So, um, you know, this is always the easier question for me. I just kind of sit back and, you know, but, um, what is kind of the, you know, the, the, what's your story, Josh? Like, how did you, you know, how did you kind of find your, your calling with, you know, with graphics and design and illustration and you really have a, a great portfolio. So I would just love to kind of learn about, you know, how it all started. Yeah, I, I, I've, Oh, for as long as I can remember, I don't think there was any other career option for me than being an artist of some kind. Um, I remember just loving to draw and, um, you know, loving the, the feeling of, of people looking or appreciating what I drew and um, just always knew that I wanted to do art in some way. And um, I think, uh, you know, as a kid, it was always sort of I wanted to work on animated movies or work in, in movies somehow. And um, I, I think, you know, something that was really uh, a big influence on me was going to the, you know, the video rental store back in those days when you had to rent videos and go to, go to Blockbuster or whatever. And I loved uh, just perusing the aisles and just, you know, movies I'd never heard of, but the cover looks really good. And, the color cover tells this story. And um, I, I, I was always really drawn to, you know, like the Indiana Jones posters or, or uh, covers or um, the Star Wars covers or, you know, and I feel like in the 80s, there was a ton of movies that had this great combination of illustration and type that helped tell a story. And uh, so long story short, you know, uh, when I was um, getting ready to go off to college, I thought, you know, I wanted to be a Disney animator or something like that. But in my head, I thought that meant, you know, drawing tons of pictures and it was really repetitive and I didn't really know anything. I kind of grew up in a family of non-artists and um, decided I would stay close to home. I was a little bit afraid to kind of go out on my own and didn't really know um, much about how, you know, a art department in a, in a art studio or a, a animation studio worked. And didn't realize that there was people that actually just helped design the look of the film um, and help tell the, you know, get the story down and help tell the story through character design and designing the sets and lighting, just like you would in a real movie in an animation animated film. Um, so I ended up, you know, kind of not knowing all that, that, that there was this other side to that and um, decided I would go into stay close to home, go to school. Um, at, I went to the University of Indianapolis. I grew up on the south side of Indianapolis, so I was pretty close to home, but I stayed on campus and um, decided I eventually decided I would do um, what was called visual communication design, which is basically communicating somehow through a, a visual picture or typography, illustration. Uh, and so I kind of always had, always thought of myself more as a commercial artist 
rather than a graphic designer. And I always loved illustrating just as I much, you know, very much love designing or photography. And I love doing a little bit of everything and always had this feeling. And I think this came from very non-artistic parents that wanted me to have something to fall back on. I always loved this idea of being well-rounded. Um, and, and so I think in terms of uh, beer, it took a while, but I, I worked for, when I graduated school, I worked for a small design uh, firm for a little while and then I moved out to Colorado, kind of did a lot more work in the outdoor sports uh, design world and um, then eventually ended up at a children's publisher and did a lot of children's book type stuff. And that's when I really kind of started illustrating professionally as well as designing and a big component to my work. And one of the things that I love to do is going back to those, you know, movie box covers or uh, movie posters from the eighties. I just love combining that idea of, you know, trying to tell a story or encapsulate what this thing is about um, with illustration and type. And it's so integrated. Uh, and I, I really found sort of uh, that beer labels could be something like that for me. And uh, I did my first beer label project when I had started my own business uh, after a while with a partner and um, they had approached us because they had seen that type of work uh, in, in some other things that we were doing and uh, did a project for, uh, it ended up being part of Coors AC Golden and did a little beer called Colorado Native. Uh, which they were sort of creating AC Golden's almost like this craft brewery within Coors. And um, this was sort of, I guess you'd say like, th there's been several ways of craft brewing, but this is, this, this was probably in the late two thousands. Um, and craft brewing was just sort of heating up again. It had been kind of dormant for a little while. And this was sort of the wave that we're beginning of the wave that we're writing now. And um, I really loved the project. It was so, so much fun. And uh, I saw that a, a little brewery was going to be opening up in our little town of Loveland, Colorado, where our studio was based. And I approached them and said, you guys got to work with us. You know, we're the hometown design firm and you're the hometown brewery. And I've, you know, I've really enjoyed the, uh, working on the, this project that I just got through, through working on a course, but I'd really love to do a craft beer brand because um, one of the fun things about craft brewing is that you don't have to appeal to everyone. It's it you get to really uh, play within subcultures, and it it you don't have to knock all the edges off and make things kind of boring and and make everyone happy. You can make a small group of people really happy, um, and that's really fun as an artist because you get to just really explore uh, things real deeply as opposed to sort of this surface level how do we appeal to everybody but then kind of really no one um and so they the, this company was called uh, grim brothers brewing and i did this little project where we um it, the, the project had a little bit of challenge because they were you know riffing on off of the grim brothers stories well you've already got uh disney who does you know most people's um you know in the in their context of grim brothers stories is through disney and so we didn't, how do we do a beer brand that, that doesn't feel too much like a children's product at the same time, there are also one of the few craft brewer, breweries that was focusing on German style brewing. 
and they wanted a, a, a very um, authentic German feel or uh, allude to a, uh, an authentic German feel. Um, but how do you do that without sort of having the connotation of, uh, of, of uh, Nazism and, and bad things that, you know, bad, bad connotations that you sometimes get from traditional German art or typography? Um, so we ended up sort of threading that needle and it was a really fun project and, and it was kind of fun because I, I got to work on something that was kind of close to the Disney stuff that I love, but trying to subvert that into a fun way that works for beer. And um, the packaging that we did, we were this small little company. Um, it ended up getting this, uh, every year the, the, there's the, the site in the design world called the Dye Line. And the Dye Line will um, feature different, different packaging that the editors there thought was cool at the time. And they didn't really have a, a big awards program like they do now. But one thing that they did back then was they would uh, rank all of their favorite posts. And this would be like huge companies like Landor and Associates, you know, big packaging design, advertising agency, um, you know, doing stuff for these big brands. And uh, we got ranked second uh, uh, in the top 100 of posts uh, for, for that year. And then word of mouth after that it was kind of people saw the Grimm Brothers stuff and one after another we started doing taking on more craft brewing projects um, and so that's kind of how I got started in this and one of the things that I've learned over over the years that I love about craft breweries is I, you know I feel like there's definitely like sort of a kindred spirit in terms of um, you know really wanting to do something artistic and you know on one hand, you know, craft breweries want to make money, but I think the other part of that is they really just want to do something, um, create a product that people love to enjoy and that they want to share with. And that's, that's the same thing that I want to do with the art that I do. Um, and so I've definitely found a kindred spirit in time with craft breweries. And the other part of it is just, um, they're easy and fun to work, work with. I think, um, anytime, uh, that, that I can bring something that gets them super excited. Uh, it's just such a fun experience. And I've worked with big companies and over time with every project, every project moves really slow. A lot of stuff gets, a lot of great ideas get killed off just because things change hands. Um, there's so much to go on with the approval process. It's, um, it's really soul, soul sucking sometimes to work uh, on these big agency, big, um, brand projects. And I've just really found a, a, a lot of comfort working with, with these people that really care and are, you know, mortgaging their homes or doing whatever uh, to create these businesses. And, and it's very, it becomes very personal at that point. And I really thrive on that relationship. And yeah, I, I think that, yeah, that's your, and you're a great storyteller. I and mean, that was really, and if you go to uh, emric.co, it's visually to follow along. I mean, to see the Grimm Brothers stuff and what you're saying, I mean, those those labels and Die Line is, they're world-renowned, you know, and so I think that to to be, now, you know, now they have the large awards and what have you, but those Grimm Brothers, even if you go to their website, you can still see, you know, it's still kind of the, the foundation of their whole brand and overlook. I think it's, if, looking at your portfolio, they are, they are kind of that homage to the, the 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 album co I mean the album or the video coverage where they're they're telling a story in such a you know small space but even your website does a really great job you have these beautiful crisp you know visuals of each little story and you can see them you know just kind of the all the subtle little details and each label does 
you know, tell that story. And I, I, I also love that, you know, you make a lot of that stuff available. You kind of tell the story and, you know, it is a, it really just shows your, how much you really love your job and what you're doing. So it's really just, it's a, it's a, it's a great website. I mean, I used to do freelance website and I think this is a, it's a beautiful uh, example of how to share and explain your portfolio, which is really, which is really awesome. Thanks. It's, 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 the websites for most graphic designers is like one of the last things that you kind of yeah. uh, deal with now. And I feel so far behind. There's so much work that I've done that isn't on even up there yet. So you can catch a lot of that stuff more on social media because it's just so much easier to post because uh, I agonize over those images more on, on the website. Whereas, you know, like when you're posting something to Instagram or dribble dribbles, a, a sort of a social networking almost kind of its own Instagram for graphic designers and, um, and illustrators. And it, it's, it makes it so easy to post there. And it's just, you can just do a little snippet. Um, whereas on your own website, you, you really agonize over what you're going to say and how you're going to present things. So, um, you get, you end up getting so far behind on that kind of stuff, but, um, yeah, I need to do an update soon. Well, yeah, we always say, cause that, uh, it- explanation is common the idea is i'm so and i always say to the folks if you weren't if you weren't so busy that you're up to, if i look at the last update and i can see that it's you know super recent it just shows that maybe you're not as uh as busy as you should be for having your own business so i think that you know it's a it kind of uh it's a give and take you know i obviously it's for the viewer it's fun but you know you're you're busy and unfortunately you know or fortunately your work, you know, uh, on the website kind of comes last. So I think that's why these social, you know, social sites allow for a little more instant interaction, but what, yeah, what I'll you, keep telling my, yeah. I'll, I'll keep telling my clients that when their stuff doesn't show up on my website. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that I'm not proud of it, but you've kept me so busy and I'm so concentrated on doing stuff for you that exactly. I don't have time to post it. So yeah, I'm, yeah. Just, I'm fully committed. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's all about you. Not about me. <laughs> totally but yeah and I, I do love in, uh, the stories and the explanations I mean the, the like I said the Grimm Brothers is a great one you know your love of kind of like science and nature you know especially with the Colorado and then with the bottle logic having that science kind of vibe to it I mean I'm not gonna lie it took me a while and this might not make you happy but I realizing that the bottle logic logo was a, a light bulb for a while and then when I realized that I felt like such an idiot I was like how did I not know that for so long but it's just so subtle and, and such a great logo like it's just it's just it's, it's killer thanks that was uh bottle logic I I had been working for a while um with this design studio and it was called tenfold at the time and that's why I started with with uh Grimm Brothers and um, after a while, I trying to manage a whole firm and um, it was taking a toll on my family. And uh, I ended up um, deciding to leave that business. And one of the things that, you know, we were doing a whole bunch of different types of clientele. But one of the things that I did when I left was I really wanted to focus on um, working with craft breweries. And I've been accumulating all this knowledge about craft brewing and uh, labeling and just what's going on in the industry. And I felt like, um, even with tenfold I had done, um, while I was there, I had done, um, you know, Grimm brothers was sort of the first craft brewery. Then I had, um, done work with Uinta in Salt Lake city. And then we had worked with speakeasy. We'd worked with a, a brewery in London, um, called Camden town. 
And um, so, you know, we, we were kind of doing this one by one, but the brewing, the brewing work was so fun and so different from everything else that we were doing. I didn't want to work on anything else. And so when I had the opportunity to kind of um, simplify and I ended up starting a, a Emmerich office, which is what uh, I'm doing now with, uh, in partnership with my wife, Katie, who's also a graphic designer and illustrator. Um, we had the opportunity to really just focus on beverage and, and specifically craft beverage, whether that's craft distilling or um, craft brewing. And Bottle Logic was one of our very first clients. And I felt like I've been accumulating this knowledge of, of the industry and accumulating knowledge of, of just how to do this right and, and seeing what's in the landscape. And Bottle Logic, I felt like, was this opportunity for me to do something that not only do I love the subject matter so much uh, to really kind of build, you know, take everything that I've learned and put it into one project. And um, the logo for that long story long, <laughs> um, it, like that one was probably one of the more simple uh, craft brewing logos I've done. And the reason why it was, we really wanted it to be simple because it would allow us to be so flexible with everything else. And um that brand is one where we we have tons of different illustration styles that we're doing simultaneously and some packages look very different from another but there's still this sort of like overall visual language that unites it and then when you see that simple little beer bulb icon on it you know that it's bottle logic and it kind of unites it together um, which is a little bit different approach I think as crowded as the the landscape has gotten you've seen a lot of breweries really simplify um, you know, like New Belgium stuff, they used to have multiple different looking packages, but then they sort of united that all into one um, look for, for, for all of their packages and sort of Bottle Logic is doing the opposite of that. Yeah, the, yeah, the light bulb is kind of the foundation piece, but, they're, but you're right to see this, the, the um, versatility of it, right, with your, the induction series and then the stasis series in their they're night, they're night and day, but they're also kind of like, I don't know, like cousins in a way, right? So they're kind of they have yep. they have a point where they can kind of build off of that that tree. But you're right, they they stand alone, which they're right. There's two different schools of, of thought there with with branding, right? Do they do you keep the same uniform kind of template, or it really it really it really says a lot about a brand when they're willing to kind of take those um, those risks and have them kind of stand alone on their own. So I, I definitely I applaud the as you're saying kind of the adventure and the exploration that is you, know, you see a lot more often with branding and craft beer than you do maybe in some other uh, other industries or verticals yeah yeah but, uh, bottle logic's been fun because we've um there's sort of like the project where you know they, they release a new series and it's kind of like well what are how do you visualize this being and they might have some ideas but it's like oh, oh i really want to try this and they're usually game for it so they're definitely um a dream client. But one of the things that I tell a lot of other designers is that, um, you know, nobody starts out as a dream client. They're always uh, cultivated. You've got to build that relationship. And um, when I was first started working with them, I was pitching, I was on vacation. We were taking a break after I'd uh, you know, stopped working with my other firm. I needed to spend some time with just um, kind of reassessing where we were as a family and um, spending more time with the kids and uh, I, I remember we were road tripping and I had come up with all these different ideas for beer series and names and um, was pitching it over the phone. And 
um, you know, just putting that extra effort in, you know, they've, we've built trust and now it's really fun because anything that we do, um, I get to really just go, you know, full on geek out about it and, um, explore these, these interests that I have that line up with what they do. So, and what they love. So it's been a really good relationship. Yeah. I mean, your, your passion just kind of just, even just kind of the inflection of your voice, like how excited you are to talk about it. It really just, it's natural and it's, it's, it's wonderful. And one of the kind of stories that w- we hear a lot is that, you know, you, and to go back to what you said previously about working for an agency and kind of doing your own, you know, kind of your own thing, running the you know tinfoil is the idea that while it's not, it's part of that journey. And I think that's kind of what your story really has is this great journey, you know, just seeing from when you were younger, your you know, what kind of, uh, got you interested in drawing and how you did that. Um, but then to, to work for somebody else or work, you know, for, the life sucking, you know, at times agency work, you know, you know, it really helps you to kind of a get a thicker skin and learn some things, but also teach you what's important and I, and teach you what, what having your own business, you know, the, the good and the bad and the ugly of that, you know, what you've done. And if you're following along again, folks, you know, I, like I said, Emmerich uh, office on Instagram, but then there's Emmerich home. And as a father, and you know, we always come back to it. One of the beautiful things that we love about doing this is just, the work that you know, folks like you know Josh do, bringing bringing stories or visuals to life, and you know having children and having a family, I have a new you know a few new lenses and perspective on life and the world that I didn't have previously. And so, for you to make that commitment and really make it a part of your identity, or maybe just part of your um, overall framework of you know what's important to you as a as a father and a husband and a business uh, businessman, like businessman business per i don't know yeah it's a terrible I, yeah. <laughs> I had a good flow there but you know what i was is really just uh as a you know as a father and a you know husband i think it's really just uh it's it's really great and admirable and i think it's really it's really important i think you know those values are really that also teaches great lessons to our children that you know without just by leading by example so i would love to yeah. to hear more about you know the the decision to to move back home to indiana and how that's going yeah. So, you know, it, I've kind of alluded to this, but I think when I had my former business tenfold, we, um, uh, I, I was just getting really burned out. I was spending a lot of time away from home. And, um, it, I think in the process of starting that business, I had one child and we ended up surprisingly ended up with four somehow. And, um, uh, we were just being stretched really thin and, um, you know, uh, I don't think that there was any way in, that I would ever want to, um, it would be really hard for me to go back and work for anyone else after, after tasting the freedom of, of, uh, uh being an entrepreneur and, and kind of guiding my own desk, you know, charting my own course. But I, I think, uh, my wife and I really, uh, liked the idea of having a home family studio where, uh, the work that I do is kind of synonymous with my family and my community. And I, that, that's kind of the way that a uh, craft brewery works is t- works as well, is that it's, it's, there's, they, a lot of them will have almost like this work family that they formed and, and they're very fam. A lot of them are very family friendly and, you know, the kids are at the brewery uh, coloring while their dad's brewing. And, you know, I, I, I took kind of a page out of their book and was like, well, 
well, what if I was doing um, my work and my kids could see how passionate I was about what I did? They didn't just see me leave all the time, but could come down and see me working hard on something, or I could talk them through the steps of what I was doing. And um, uh, that was kind of the genesis of trying to create this Imric office where, um, and my wife's Instagram is at Imric home. And so she sort of posts pictures from our life or what we're doing. That's that. And then I post our work at Imric office on Instagram. And so it's kind of like these two accounts that is, it's sort of giving a picture of um, the work, but also the, why we're really doing this behind it, you know, and it's raising these kids and helping our, our clients be successful. And then sometimes showing that relationship of, um, you know, sometimes, uh, our family vacations become, become, well, one for tax purposes, it's nice, but our family vacations sometimes become work trips and vice versa. Um, but I think my kids actually appreciate that because we get to go, go to some pretty fun places and do some pretty fun things with our, our uh, brewery clients. So um, it's been a great experience to do that. Um, my wife is, is she, she's sort of transitioning from being a, a full-time stay-at-home mom uh, to doing more things in the business. And like I said, she was, uh, she went to study graphic design. That's kind of how we met was through art. And, uh, she went to a different school. I'd already graduated when we had met. Um, but, um, trying to get, you know, her transition back into doing, uh, work full time. And, um, currently right now she's been handling the books for a while and kind of supporting me in that way. But, um, really the whole thing, is all about being intentional um, with our kids and with our clients. And we want to work with people that like that aspect of, of how we run our, our family and our, our business. It's, I, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, I, I love it. I mean, I, I, my priorities and what's important to me, if you were to talk to, you know, 20 year old AJ, you know, or, or, massively you know night and day different it's just giving me a huge appreciation for folks like yourself and even you know looking at my parents you know what they did to you know what the decisions they made or, or choices you know that got us to where we are so i, I think it's wonderful yeah, i appreciate that thank you because right there's a lot of common things that we all have right i go i know that other folks have families and other folks have these you know life problems or issues or good you know good and bad and I know that the, my company, you know, is surprising to you, Josh. This is not a, a podcasting; it's not a full time job, but you know, sure, right? My my company is is amazing because they do realize that, you know, um, you know, if my children are sick or I need to work from home, or you know, I can be on conference calls with you know a kid with one hundred and two degree fever, you know, in this in the same room. It's just the reality, the realization of realities of life, and not making them be things that we should uh, hide or not be. I don't know proud of or not necessarily proud of but you know just kind of like you're i have to be at work i have to be work aj then when i come home i can be you know dad aj but why can't i be both at the same time so i think it's i think it's i think it's a good lesson and example for for others and you know I, like i said i know i keep being very repetitive but i'm very i'm very proud to be a dad and it is part of who i am so i just uh I yeah think, i think it's important in life to tell folks when they're you know they do something special and they should you know and i'm definitely a little more uh emotional in that way than I think maybe some of my other counterparts, but I just think it's, like I said, uh, good, good on you guys. I think it's, it's a little bit of a reaction to, you know, sometimes maybe what we grew up with and, um, right. you know, my, 
my dad went to work and, and I think part of that's changed because of technology, which makes telecommuting a whole lot easier. But, um, you know, I, my dad worked really hard. He, he left before I got up to go to school and he would come home and he'd be so exhausted that he'd pretty much eat and go to bed. And, um, there wasn't sort of that act, you know, I never really got to see how passionate he was about what he did. You know, I still to this day don't know how excited about what he did, you know, how, how he felt about what he did. But I, I think sort of that reaction to where there's these separate worlds and um, I, you know, try, I don't want um, my kid's life to be dominated by my work, but at the same time, like I want them to um, kind of know what it takes. And I think what my dad did during the day was kind of a completely foreign uh, subject to what, you know, my experience was. And so you, you end up kind of struggling trying to figure out how that, you know, when, when you start to get a real job, what that world looks like. And, um, you know, so, and fortunately my kids are all really interested in art. So they, they take a real interest in what I'm doing, especially my oldest daughter. She's, she very much wants to she wants, uh, she wants to take over my equipment and my computer so she can do whatever, whatever she wants to do. But, um, you know, like even when she's working on her projects, um, you know, being able to see how what she's doing is very similar to what I'm doing. And, um, you know, that's something that uh, growing up in a family, I, I'm very thankful that um, one of the things that growing up in a family were of non-artists was that I've learned to speak to, uh, you know, explain what I'm doing in art-wise to other non-artists. That's great. And, yeah. um, so that I, I do think that was a plus, but there's this other side of me that was like, man, it would have been so helpful to have someone to help, help, uh, guide this a little bit more, have all this expertise that they could have, you know, imparted, you know, um, and, and I just kind of had to figure it out, but, um, it's been really fun to share things with them and outside of beer, which I, you know, my kids don't get super excited about some of my beer projects, but I've had the opportunity to, I last year did a, uh, my first board game uh, with some friends of mine and um, they, the kids really loved that aspect of it and really got more involved with uh, what I was doing. And I've just finished up a, the second, uh, second game. It's called caper and it'll be coming out in um, at the end of the summer, 2018 uh, fingers crossed. But uh, that's been a really fun project to, to be working on and then coming down and um, getting their reaction. Uh, the caper game that I just finished up has, a, has 24 different characters. So if, they came to, if my kids came down to the basement, which is where my office is, uh, if they came down at the end of uh, when they got home from school and would laugh or react to what I did, I knew that, you know, I was on the right track. So it's been good to have them as a focus group. Um, you know, as part of, part of, part of my little audience, you know, uh, to kind of make sure that what I'm doing is resonating and it's been fun to kind of have them see that and, and experience that as I'm trying to get things done. And then I think when, when I've been working so hard and haven't had time for them, um, as much as I should, they can appreciate what I was working towards. Um, and seeing that I was putting all this effort into this thing that they're also now very proud of and excited to show their friends, um, especially the board games. We don't want their, them showing their friends beer, but um, you know, like getting the opportunity to uh, you know take take something that their dad did to class and do, use that for show and tell. Um, it makes it makes those times uh, a little less uh, a little less frustrating when when I don't have the time to 
to, to spin with them. Yeah. I guess you're, you're a great guest. And that segue was great on the, the, the first board game can't be creatures. And I just, yeah, they must hit you at the PTO though. It's like, Oh, my dad made this board game. What'd your dad? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, he actually did. I actually did do that where we came in and, um, you know, I had that, you know, moment where like they had, uh, parents come in and talk about how they use math and believe it or not, graphic designers do use a lot of math, especially geometry to kind of figure, uh, things out, how things might fold or whatever. And so I came in to talk about how I used math to create, you know, build this board game. And the next dad was like, I don't know if I'm, I think I'm just going to leave because the kids are so interested in the board game. So that felt really, really good. Um, Because normally I couldn't bring, you know, the beer projects that I work on into a school. So uh, it was nice to have the board game to kind of be able to share, have my kids have something to share about what their dad does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, hey, give me your card. I'll send you one of my beer clients' uh, projects (laughs) so you can feel feel better about, you know, what you're doing, right? And we are back. You're listening to episode number 56, Josh Emmerich, right here on the 16-ounce canvas. As a dad who tries to be active in his kids, you know, school and activities at school, whether it's Boy Scouts or PTO or just, you know, being mystery reader, I'd hope that if I drew straws, I could go first. See Josh show up with his board games. Oh man, I'd be like, dude, you can can you go last? I'd be like, well, Emrick is before you, Kieran's. I'd be like, please, please. So, but you can just hear it. You know, I can't stress enough the greatest gifts of my life are my two sons our family and you know the emmerich office the emmerich home emmerich.co you know josh i've never spoken with katie but you can just kind of you know feel you know i think our you know our partners are great extensions of you know who we are as people and the choices that we make in life but there's nothing i wouldn't do for my children and i have a you know great day job i work for a great company critical mix, you know, in Connecticut. And I'm really proud of that. I really am proud of the people I work for. I'm proud of my colleagues and just the things that we value as individuals. And that makes me a better person. It makes me a better man, a better father, a better husband. Maybe you can say a better host and that's questionable. But to make those decisions, I think, you know, are deliberate and I think they're important. And I think that what they're trying to do and, and the pride that you know they have the idea that their children can see what they're doing in their home office and get to go on some adventures you know with their kids and you know bring them to their meetings you know or experiences that help shape their creativity and the fact that his kids love art it's just great especially i think now more than ever i think that you know our family and our roots and who we are as people it's really important. And so this is a great story. Um, you know, I know that we reached out to, you know, Josh because of the work he does, did, and will do with Bottle Logic. But his story is much more than that. And I hope that you, you know, take that away. What we're trying to do here each week, you know, the, the foundation is in, you know, beer and art and creativity. But these are just great stories of humanity and people and, you know, life. And so I think that it's really nice to kind of look at things. You know, beer is a is a weird place, right? Because you 
me, we all love beer, or maybe you don't. Maybe you're here just for the art, and that's cool too. But it's it's more than that here, and so I I can't say that's how we started, but that's where we are right now, and I I love the place that we're at, and so I think that you know each week when I get to you know sit down here and you know think about things and think about the stories and the people I meet, I take away a lot a lot from it. You know, it makes me look at things differently. Obviously art and design and perspective and creativity, it makes me appreciate a lot more. And, you know, this is a great story of that. And it's really, you know, it's nice to be able to reflect on that after just speaking with Josh, you know, a few hours ago. So it's really, uh, really great story and really, you know, just having a, a lot of fun with this, uh, emmerich.co, emmerich home, emmerich office. I love the kind of the, the yin and the yang kind of the, storefront you get to see what's you know, the projects and you get to see the home and the office and you know what it's all for and that's why we do this stuff you know to yeah to make the make the circle you know, i guess the circle of life complete so you know, is that you know as they say in a you know lion king and so i'm holding my son right up now over the microphone and we're going to transition because that was pretty terrible but again, you're listening to the 16-ounce canvas, the art of craft beer, bringing your favorite artists and designers to you, learning more about them, their stories, how they got here, a little advice, a little insight, learn about the process, you know, just have some fun. So we thank you wherever you are. If you are liking what we're doing here, you know, do me a solid, a, a mini solid, head on over to iTunes or wherever it is that you podcast wherever it is you get your podcast on and, uh, you know, click the stars, you know, more stars, the better. We love to get the, the five star. We're we like to earn that. So if you don't think there's a five star episode, then, uh, you know, there's plenty more where this came from. Literally there's 55 other ones, but, um, and if you're digging what we're doing, leave a review and, uh, we'd love to hear from you. AJ at one six OZ canvas.com is the email address. Use the hashtag pound sign, tic-tac-toe 16oz canvas it is growing week by week some really cool artists out there who are definitely you know going to be reaching out to to have be a part of the program in the future we're already working on season seven this is one of the last episodes of season five and we're loving it so and as we've mentioned you know in recent weeks uh this summer july 14th through the 29th in new haven connecticut we will be having the art of craft beer show we have rented out an art gallery in New Haven, Connecticut. We already have commitments so far from eight of our artists who will be there showcasing their art as well as, you know, label-inspired pieces. And it's just going to be, you know, a lot of fun. We're trying to do some unique uh, events during that time period. And it's, uh, you know, we're going to proceeds to charity and it's just going to, it's just going to be a lot of fun. So stay tuned for that. That's another kind of teaser. We'll have a save the date out in probably the next week or so. Working with a you know great designer friend of mine, uh, Zach Brady, out of uh, Connecticut, and um, he's helping me work on some of the creatives. He's also kind of the you know inspiration for us, kind of trying to streamline some of the stuff that we're doing on social. You may be seeing that we're announcing the episodes each week. You know, probably the last you know month or so, we've you know had that really solid template that he helped us create. You know, and worked on that. You know, with the logo really crisp seeing the you know the artist name with the brewery 
and then uh, down on the bottom is the you know the episode and the number. So really, uh, again, Mr. Mr. Zach Brady helping us you know do that, and uh, we really appreciate that. So you're listening to the 16 ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast, episode number 56, 56. And so without further ado, let's get back into it. This is a long one, so relax. Plenty more where it came from. Part two. Josh Emmerich, right here on the 16-ounce canvas, the art of craft beer podcast. The game, how, now how did that come together? And that's a really, and the, yeah. I mean, you have the, you have these, and again, they, they remind me when you said about the old kind of movie posters, you know, all the different posters of the characters and the pins, you know, kind of a homage to, you know, movies of yesteryear, which I, which I love. You yeah. Know, yeah. So Campy Creatures uh, is a, a board game based, it's a, Kind of card game uh, based on classic movie monsters and uh, classic monsters. And you, everybody has the same hand of monsters uh, and are trying to capture mortals. And so that, that's sort of how the, the game works. But the, the way the game came about was, and this is like a lot of my projects, um, kind of someone sees something that I've done and that project leads to another excuse me, and leads to another. And uh, the, that one came about from uh, the, the, the game company, Keymaster Games. Uh, they're both graphic designers and had seen my work for, for Bottle Logic, which there's a series within Bottle Logic that has a very uh, movie poster uh, pulp art, pulp, pulp novel, kind of sci-fi pulp novel feel. And they saw that like as being able to trans me being able to capture and transition towards more of this uh, B-movie monster style. And so the game uh, was really fun to work on. It was probably the most illustration that I had in one block. And one of the things that I learned um, was that within the, the board game industry, the artists there don't really make a lot of money um, you know, compared to when you're working with something uh, that that's becoming a, a part of it intellectual IP for a brewery or whatever, um, it, that's, ju- that's just not as valued for some reason in the board game industry. And I think part of that's because um, throughout history, games like Monopoly or whatever, the, in some ways the art stayed the same, but really um, the art changes around. And if you, if you look at like Candyland, it's been changed tons of times. It's not like the original art stays. And so I feel like that's probably why it's not valued as much as say it's in craft uh, brewing, which it'll stick around for a little bit longer than that. Um, so uh, I was really fortunate because I got to work with, um, you know, graphic designers that had started a board game company. So they really valued that. And so we put a lot of work and time into the, the, bo- the, the look of the game and uh, the game's really fun to play too. But um, one of the things that was really fun was, um, it, it, the game created a lot of buzz just because of the art. Um, so there's, there would be, you know, large companies that, that would, whether it's game distributors or companies that want to carry the game like Barnes and Noble or, um, uh, smaller game shops that it, like looking at the game, it became sort of a no brainer. So it really helped, help this, uh, company, uh, Keymaster Games, sort of create a following of people that just really want these beautifully designed and illustrated board games. And so um, that's how that project kind of came about. But the, the great thing about it is I'm hoping that what we can do is help create something where there's more of an ex- 
people can see what really good art and a really engaged artist can do and that they can be just as much a part of the game's success as um, what they call in, in game, you know, the board game world, the game designer, which actually just develops the mechanics and sort of the idea for how the game works and plays that art can be such a big part of the intellectual property and, and part of the game um, and not just sort of this afterthought. So that was, that was part of um, the fun part of that. And we're hoping that uh, between Keymaster and myself and some other artists that we can start encouraging some of these smaller um, game producers, just like craft breweries, um, to sort of up their game in, in, in terms of the type of art that they use and start, um, you know, trying to uh, pay artists a little bit more and get them more engaged and make them more part of the, uh, feel like more part of the team. I think that, yeah, the craft, that's, yeah, the craft, what you're saying there, I've come to really recognize that the, the idea that craft breweries are making that conscious decision to work with artists like yourself to really bring their product to life when you could argue as maybe in the game industry that, you know, the, the, what's inside the bottle, you know, is, you know, maybe doesn't necessarily need to have the beautiful label, but they're making that decision for it to just be this all encompassing kind of decision or product line or branding. And I, and I think it's really, it's really, um, helped. It's really been really powerful. And especially in this last, I mean, you, you're, I, I'm jumping all around, but I mean, you've been doing it for almost a decade now, which is really impressive. But I would say, folks haven't been as uh, quick to get up to, up to snuff with you, you know, and it's really seen it in the last four, maybe five years really boom off. But um, folks like yourself have been doing it for over a decade, which is, which is really great. And so, yeah, I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen gaming branding like that ever. And I'm, I'm kind of nerdy, you know, we, we definitely probably play more, you know, we have a, um, we have more board games that we actually play in the house, but my wife, you know, loves you know, loves loves the board games, and we try to do it with the family. But yeah, I, I haven't I haven't seen anything like that before. So I really think that, yeah, this could be kind of a, a pivot point. But I think that with your branding and imagery and, and the, the work, it, it makes complete sense to me. Why wouldn't you want the game to have this amazing, you know, story and visually? And I think you can see that even with the the caper stuff. You know, I, I definitely was like, what's what's he up to? You know, when you were show, kind of teasing. Yeah teasing the characters right and then yeah it, it was kind of it was fun you know i think that was really cool well i think one of the things is like uh, there's very something's very uh very similar to craft the craft brewing industry and how it came about and developed over time is very similar to what's happening in board games right now and the, the big game changer for board games has been kickstarter and it's become a place where these small smaller game companies can launch these really great games um, directly to consumers as opposed to um, trying to pitch a, a big publisher and that big publisher just, you know, gets tons of ideas and just really isn't interested or can't see the potential. Um, this gives, you know, these smaller game companies or game creators an opportunity to, you know, take it directly to consumers and see if people are interested. And so there's been this huge group of games that, you know, um, very games that are really popular now that kind of got their start on Kickstarter. And um, I think just like craft brewing, you know, at first it was, it was all about sort of being local. Um, the novelty of being, you know, Hey, this is brewed right down the street from you, you know, and, and we're trying to use better ingredients and those kind of things. Um, 
you know, it, very similarly, the, there's these new game creators that are, you know, I've had this idea and they're developing a new type of mechanic that no one's ever seen before. And, you know, it, it, the novelty of the mechanic is so good that, you know, the game, the artwork doesn't have to be so great or so engaging. Um, but now that more and more, you know, smaller game producers are producing games, one of the other ways that you can stand out is, well, let's make the, the, the packaging look as great as the game is to play, you know, in the same way that, you know, there was a period where more and more craft brewing was uh, beers were hitting the shelves and, um, well, how are you going to stand out now? Cause there's more there, you know, there's multiple local breweries all using good ingredients, you know, and, and everybody's, you know, jumped on this style bandwagon or that style bandwagon, but how can we tell a story that, you know, connects to who these people, you know, you, your, your customers, the identity that they're creating for themselves, does your stories match up? Do, um, and I think art and, you know, packaging design is, is one of those ways that we start, you know, creating, creating that connection besides just the product itself. It's so much more than that because there was, you know, the effort and the values and all those things that went into creating it in the first place. Well, let's try to show them in the artwork as well. And then even that, you got to tie in the, the gaming with Bottle Logic and you made, right, some some beers that were can be creature inspired <laughs> beer like i mean that's pretty yeah bringing that, it that's pretty awesome bringing it I mean, full circle yeah i mean yeah, yeah bringing it full circle yeah that's we, pretty, um, that's pretty crazy yeah so the art style and the whole world sort of worked really well with bottle logic and um it was another way for us to kind of um think about the game besides just you know the artwork and all the things that we've created um that we're actually building this whole little world that can work in a lot of places. And that's what like big video game companies do and, you know, big movies that, that it, it sort of extends to these other products. And, um, we've never seen really anyone doing anything with sort of bridging board games, uh, directly to beer. And so we thought it'd be fun to do, you know, do a, a board game and beer collaboration to where the, uh, the, the, um, the characters from the game would sort of inspire the brewers to do something that they haven't done before. And we're actually, um, bottle logic is working on a beer right now for the, the swamp creature, um, in the game, which, uh, and it's going to be, uh, they just tested it out at, uh, their, um, week of logic. So, uh, people have gotten a taste of it, but we're going to, um, you know, finalize that release and it's going to be the next swamp creature release. But like the whole, each beer is sort of themed to the monster. So, you know, we haven't done a um, one for the vampire yet, but you can imagine like, you know, that it having blood orange or something in it, you know, that, that sort of riffs on that character. And it, and the, the fun part of it is, is it's like this time it's art sort of leading the brewers and inspiring the brewers as opposed to the brewers, you know, inspiring me with what they're creating to create art for the beer. Um, so it's fun cause it's, it's, it's taken the brewers in a different place, um, than they would have gone just on their own. So, um, yeah, to bring it full circle is pretty fun to have, you know, the brewery that inspired the game to then, uh, be inspired by the game. So it, it, it was a nice little full circle. Yeah. And you, for you, and for you to say earlier that they're the dream client, that's the foundation client client from when you dove into your own thing and to, to bring it full circle with your 
new level of exploration, which is one of the biologic things with into the gaming world. I mean, the, you couldn't write that story. I mean, the, I mean, that's really just, that's excellent. I mean, I, I, would, I would love to hear that pitch when you walked in and said, hey, I have this game, can we make beer about it, right? I mean, however, obviously I'm totally, <laughs> totally simplifying it, but it really just shows you that the value that you are to them and you know they are to you, they really able to tie that together. That doesn't, in life, it, you know, it's probably a once in a lifetime type of moment for to be able to find somebody like that who really appreciates you and you play that important role in their development. I mean, and again, we, we say we're beer agnostic. I've, I've never had a bottle logic beer. That's just because they're really hard to get and I'm on the East coast, but your, your branding is, you know, um, is incredible and the work you're doing. And so, but then to hear how, how important they are to you and you are to them. And then for this new adventure, like that just, that gives me warm and fuzzies. You know, it's great. I just really, <laughs> it's, I, you know, we've been doing, you, this will probably be episode 50, it'll be episode 56. And that I can't, that that's very rare. What, what, what you're experiencing. I think it's just a testament to, you know, your story. And so I'm, I'm loving it, Josh. I think one of the things that, um, that's also helped with, uh, was we had this, uh, for, for Bottle Logic, we had this um, group of existing artwork that could really work for beer. Um, and one of the challenges now within the craft brewing industry is um, flagships are kind of dead or, or they're really hard to grow from. Um, it's really hard to grow a flagship. People are real, much more interested in what's new all the time. And um, that's put a lot of pressure on breweries and designers to figure out ways of how can we be releasing new things all the time. And there's a lot of work that goes into developing a, a package. Um, you know, it takes time. And um, so this was kind of nice because we had all this art already served up. It's just, you know, uh, one of the things we had to do with each one was sort of rename them from, from the original because they're, you know, there's so many beers out there now. There's probably a swamp creature beer. There's probably, um, you know, uh, a uh, I forget what one was called the beast, and that, that was sort of like a King Kong uh, gorilla type character. So we, you know, we had to change the names because there's already beer names that were close. So we had to find find some fun um, names. Another one would be like the Invisible Man, as opposed to calling it the Invisible Man. We called it Stealth Mode. Um, so there was some some a little bit of work that we had to do there, but um, overall, what was really nice for, for Bottle Logic and for for the, the game was that uh, this provided Bottle Logic an opportunity to to um, have some beers that that we didn't have to think too hard about in terms of developing an image and and things for uh, a look for. Um, and so what what we did was they they were developing some um, Berliner uh, tart beers and. Uh, wanted to try a lot of different flavor combinations. And um, so, and each flavor combination was really themed to the character. So the first one we did was the invader, which was kiwi and starfruit to starfruit, like stars and like men from outer space. So um, there was always this sort of theming and we tried to really make the beer green, like little green men. Um, it got close. It wasn't super green. It was kind of more in the, the more, it looked more like a Hefeweizen. Um, uh, cloudy Hefeweizen, but uh, it, it pushed the brewers to kind of think about not just like how can we surprise people with color. You know, um, I think that's been something that's been interesting lately that we've been experimenting with at, at Bottle Logic was, you know, that that 
doing beers with ingredients that produce some interesting colors because colors really have an effect on how you look. Is it how you look at a product? Is it advertising? Is it surprising? Um, And not just as a gimmick that that color is built into the flavor. You know, it's not like an artificial color. It's a color that we're achieving from, you know, from the star fruit or kiwi or, um, blueberries or whatever that we're bringing into these fruitier uh, beers. So um, it's been a fun exploration. Yeah, I do find that the brewers and their uh, usage of fruits that I've never heard of is, is it's at an all-time high. There's some of these fruits I think that they're made-up names. I'm like, that can't be a real fruit. And it's like, oh, no, you look it up and <laughs> to get the colors and the flavors. It's like, okay. But yeah, definitely uh, the exploration is there. And then, you know, then, then, Keep with your gaming theme, right? You have the the hazy IPAs, which is kind of a throwback to the, you know, the the games of my youth, kind of the late eighties, you know, eighties and you know nineties gaming with the Nintendo and stuff like that. So it's really, it's really cool how they all kind of subtly tie into each other without, you know, you know, you know, with all that yeah. stuff. I, I geek the out. Gym. So you're you're referring to the Konami Code series that Bottle Logic did, that was based on the uh, the classic Konami Code, where it's up up. Down, 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 left, right, left, right. Yeah, uh, B A B or start yeah. something like that. Yeah, up, up, um, up, so up. We did a, down, down, left, right, left, right. B A select start right. Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, so we uh, did a series of beers that was named that. Well, that that series kind of came later. But what we overall wanted to create was that feeling, you know, on a Friday night back in, back in the eighties and nineties when you got out of school and a new game was released. And you wanted to go rent it or go buy it and play it with your friends over the weekend. And hopefully your parents would, would order you a pizza. And we wanted to kind of create that feeling of um, most, most of Bottle Logic beers, you have to um, order them. If you want to buy them from the brewery, you have to uh, purchase them beforehand on an even bright, uh, an even bright sale. Yeah. Sell your um, first one, yeah. No, yeah. So they, they, uh, they go really fast and yeah. um, uh, we, and then we like we were thinking about you know everybody showing up on the at the brewery to pick up their beers just like you would go to pick up the game, and so we want to create a little a little bit of that feeling. So we were really inspired by classic arcade and '80s culture. So like we did some um, beer pairing. Uh, the whole can looks like it's covered in stickers, um, you know, like you would do like on your Trapper Keeper or something like that with stuff that you love. And um, so there's a lot of video game references and movie references from the eighties and nineties. And then we did um, beer pair or, you know, food pairings with each one. And normally, you know, you would just do a, uh, a little listing of what this beer pairs with, but we wanted to do, uh, I, I was, was inspired by scratch and sniff stickers and wanted to make it look like these uh, scratch and sniff stickers that paired with your, with your beer. And we really wanted to pick things that were like not normal things that craft breweries pick for food pairings. So we wanted to do like pizza rolls and uh, junk yeah. food, like stuff that like is not like, you know, beef bourguignon or some sort of, you know, fancy dish. Yeah. Um, you know, so we wanted to pick these things that, you know, you would just grab and snack on while you're playing games. Um, so it was a series of hazy IPAs that they did. And uh, hopefully, so we ran through that, that code, that whole code. Um, and so we've got that on the shelf for a little while. And I'm, I'm sure at some point we'll resurrect that and bring those, those beers back. But uh, again, it's, it's sort of tri- driven by the idea of doing these new things uh, all the time and kind of relating that to an experience that people would enjoy. 
Yeah, the subtlety. Yeah, pizza rolls. I think one's chalupa. Uh, there's a burger one, right? And I think that just right because it goes with the stickers, and it, it, it's it just shows the level of thought that goes into that. I mean, I, I think it's really just I, I, I love it. I mean, obviously, you, you and I guess using your trapper keeper references and other things. I think we're around the same age, so I, I appreciate it for for that. Also, I've interviewed some folks <laughs> who make me feel really old when I make references like that. So. The fact that you get it, and if you're not as old as I, I am, then just pretend and just say yes. But, um, but yeah, I think it's just it's really wonderful. Um, I, they're all unique, and they they have, they exactly what you're going for. The stickers, they're in their they're really vibrant, kind of have a little Nintendo Power you know vibe to it. And so it's really, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Now, yeah. now we we've talked about the different campaigns and you know what what you've worked on. What is what is your process? Are you are you drawing these? Are you, have you are you now a digital guy? What, what's what's going on in that regards in terms of how you're creating this stuff? Um, so with with any client, um, I've I've always tried to develop um, a different illustration style or a different look for each one because when you focus on an industry, all your stuff can't look the same. So you know, there's there's designers and illustrators that have a distinct style that, you know, they, they very much live in that style. And then they work with different industries and different clients and they try not to work with people that are in the same industry. Um, I kind of do the opposite of that where I work with um, a lot of people in the same industry, but you utilize my knowledge of that industry to help position their brand better. And I function more as a little bit more like a, a brand agency than I do just a freelance illustrator or, de, or designer. Cause I, I have that experience from my former business and working as an art director and publishing and different things. So um, what the way that a project typically works is we start, you know, I, I have to meet them. I have to see where their brewery is going to be. And um, this is not different from a lot of other people that work with, craft breweries, but, um, I just love that initial experience of going around with them and, and going to, uh, different accounts they want to get into, um, liquor stores that they want to get into, talk with them about what they think is successful, what brands do they love, um, and, you know, getting a sense of what they like in terms of food and, um, trying the beers that they're working on. And it, I think more than anything, it's just, are we there? A big part of it is they're trying to see if they get along with me and if I'm going to get along with them, do we love some of the similar things? Um, can we empathize with each other? And I think, um, as much as that is gathering in information to create a brief, uh, for the project, it's, it's really more about sort of establishing that relationship and just seeing if we enjoy one another's company. And I think that's a huge part of any project that we do is do we really just enjoy hanging out and talking about this stuff? And um, so that's the first part of it. The second part is, um, you know, being able to show them that I understand where they where they want to go and then surprising them with something that's better than what they thought, thought they wanted to see. And I think that's, that's the key to, to having sort of, um, being able for them to uh, trust you even further to do some things that you would really like to do with the brand that they, they bring you in as part of part of the team as well is being able to show them what they, what they wanted, wanted to see really well, but then just showing them something that's so much better. And I think 
that's, that's one of the things that I think a lot of designers will sometimes struggle with is that how do I take it further than what my client thought was possible um, and not too far or too in the wrong direction. So um, I think part of that is just experience and putting in the time and learning and working. Um, and then sort of the next phase of that, and usually what I try to, I think if I don't have them excited at what I call the mood board stage, a lot of designers will put together a mood board. If I don't have them really excited by showing them ideas of where we could take things and, and how things could look uh, um, by using, you know, images and texture and color or, you know, um, with bottle logic, it was, you know, sort of pulling uh, cl classic pulp novel covers was one of the things that I was using as a reference at the, from the very beginning. Um, if I can't sort of surprise them and get them excited about that world, I know that like um, it's going to be really hard, you know, in terms of, for, I may not be the best fit. Um, so I think it's always trying to, part of the process is always trying to be honest with each other to say, I don't really get this, or I don't know if, I don't know if I'm the right person, or I don't know if I'm understanding this. And so going back to, okay, what, how can I, how can I help them lead them, tell me what I need to know, uh, so that I understand it. So, um, the, the first part of, you know, when, as we get into the logo, um, and other things is uh, a lot of times with craft brewers, this is their first time working with a professional graphic designer or illustrator or creative type. Um, and so you have to be willing to, uh, coach them and, um, in a way that, that isn't, um, belittling or, um, uh, pretentious. You've got to really explain things on, um, to them in a way that, that they, they, they can get and understand. And, um, uh, I think that's, that's also another thing. I think there's a lot of, a lot of designers that get into the habit of sort of not, not going to their client and trying to work things out. I think part of that for me kind of came naturally trying to explain what I was doing with my, you know, in art school to my parents uh, so that they knew what, you know, what they're spending all their money on when I was, uh, uh in school. But, um, you know, I think uh, that that those initial stages, building that trust is so important to the project. And um, the other part of it is because craft brewers, um, you know, have never worked with a professional graphic designer as much as you can help them in areas that's unreal, you know, that a lot of times people don't think is that that's part of my job. Um, whether that's helping them with production. So your work always turns out as beautifully as you envision it and as they see it um, and helping them through that process and learning about labeling machines and how uh, shrink wraps on cans work and how can printing works and all of those things that shows that, you, you know, the things that you visualize can actually be produced in a way that they're going to be excited about and not be let down by when they see it. Um, so just being able to help, help out in anywhere that you can, um, builds a lot of trust. So I think 90% of what I do is building trust and 10% is like, uh, you know, the actual ideation of what I want to do, you know? Um, so I, I, that's tip, a little bit of how the process works, but, um, most of it is really all about empathy, gathering inspiration and always keeping your eyes open for, um, stuff that you can use for material, just like a, a comedian would use 
in their own life. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, I think a big part of your process is it's got to be ingrained into your life and how you live your life in order to be a good successful graphic designer. It can't be this, um, thing that you stop at. Uh, and I think as we talked about with, with, you know, having the business at home, it's not something that you can just turn off at right. any time. You're always thinking about it. Yeah, I find myself. Uh, I always keep notes, uh, the note app or the the voice. The voice of text been good. I'll just speak into the ideas where we'll be out somewhere and I can't make it happen. But I'll just like give myself a little monologue, record it, and then I check it back later and go, oh, "That wasn't a great idea," and we'll delete that one or keep it and kind of see what we can do from it. But you're, it's hard to it's hard to turn it off. Not that I'm at the level of uh, creativity that uh, you are, but yeah, I, I totally understand the idea of not being able to to turn it off once it's kind of ingrained into the, into your DNA, so to speak. Yeah. Now as a, as a seasoned vet, would do you have any advice for somebody kind of, you know, Josh of, you know, going to college age, you know, somebody getting started, you know, any, any career advice? I, I really, like I said, I really enjoy your perspective and kind of overall, um, vision you know for success and for your business and kind of for partnerships would you do you have any advice for kind of a somebody uh on the rise or somebody who's looking to kind of dive into you know graphic design um i think there's there i i never have any i'm definitely one of those that never has any silver bullet piece of advice that I could ever give anyone. I think it's all about, I do like, I do like how you use the, the werewolf, the silver bullet. Werewolf. Yeah. 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 Uh, bring it back to can't be creatures. Yeah. Um, that, that there's, there's not one thing that piece of advice that, you know, I feel like I could give other than, um, if you really want to, uh, to get into to doing anything, you just got to be willing to put the work in. And, and if you're really passionate about it, you've got to eat, sleep and breathe it. Um, not to the point where you don't have a life, but those things, like it becomes part of your life in such a way that it's, um, you know, I mean, I don't think I could have married anyone else other than, than someone who is a, a, another graphic designer, because even when we're just doing normal, dumb stuff, we're still talking about design or that would be a cool idea for this client or that client. And it's fun. It's not work. And so if anything feels like, I mean, there's always going to be times that things feel like work. There's always going to be the time, the things that uh, you have to do in order to do the things that you love. Um, but I, it's, it's really about at the end of the day, putting the work in, um, doing the practice until you get to a point where um, it seems so effortless to everyone else. And, and it's because you've put the practice in, you've worked late, you've done all those things. Um, you're not, it, I think in terms of working with craft brewers, it's always going to be about, um, understanding and being as passionate about what they do so that they can be passionate about what you do. Um, so if, if you don't, if you don't love what they're doing and wanting to figure out, you know, all the ways that uh, you can help them, then you're not going to be successful trying to break into craft beer because if you don't if you don't love it as much as they do they're not going to love what you do yeah and they'll see through it pretty quickly that you're they're disingenuous yeah yeah and i i i think that yeah the, the best way to say it, there's no there's no silver bullet but i think that just to kind of be committed to your craft and work you know 
there's so many folks out there that are trying to break in that it is hyper competitive and that's why i think that folks like yourself who put the time and effort in and you know whose portfolio is just you know is incredible you know that's there's you know there's so many other products you've probably worked on that helped you get to that point you know it's not just okay you showed up and that's what you've you know output you know that's just you know that's each each of those campaigns has you know years or you know life miles on it that are you know that don't that don't show up or that you know uh those la those layers don't you know aren't part of the the final product so i, I think that i think that advice is simple but completely you know accurate i think just in most things you do in life it's you know there's no easy there's no uh there's no uh uh contra code for it right there's no easy way out yeah and i I, th I think, you know, I, I never consciously got into craft beer. I just discovered that I love the projects. And then, um, you know, I love that it combined all these parts of um, typography and, and uh, illustration and brand strategy, all these things that I love to do into to one project. Um, but at the time I was, I was smart enough, I not smart enough, but um, just, kind of knew the opportunity was there to do, do it. And, and there was craft breweries needed someone like me. And I think for people that want to do this, you might go into it thinking that you want to do craft brewing, um, you know, working on designing craft beer labels or something like that. But then this other industry, almost like the game thing came about uh, that almost has that same thing where you see a need for someone like yourself and you have a vision for how good things could be for them. Um, and I think that if you can, if you can articulate that and make that infectious, um, you know, you'll be building your own dream projects as opposed to, oh, I wish I had a craft, craft brewing client that I could work with. I've always dreamed of doing that, but you, you might be overlooking the, the, the things that are, you know, right in front of you that where you could really make a difference in terms of um, helping an industry become what it could be you know yeah words of wisdom i, I appreciate it yeah and, and it's obvious you know even uh, we have to give your wife you know some credit if you follow uh emmerich home you know, it's very obvious that she's a designer even just the the layout and the the spatial layouts of the of the photos i mean it's very uh clean crisp design oriented you, know, you can see some of her sketches on there and so i i was uh i think it's just uh I can only imagine the, the fun times are had at home by, you know, the family and, and what, what the kids are creating, looking at uh, the two of you by example. So it's a, uh, it's really, uh, it's really nice to, to be able to kind of poke my head into, to kind of see that. She'll be glad to hear that. She's, I've never told her this, but she's definitely um, between the two of us, the much more gifted photographer. Like um, I think as an illustrator, I want to control things too, too much. Cause I, I have that amount of control as an illustrator Whereas I think a photographer, you almost have to have this sense of there's, there's only so much you can control in, in, in photography. Um, and, you know, I, I think she has that gift of, of knowing the right moment to, to take a photo, photo, especially when you're dealing with kids and um, people who don't want to have their photo taken like me. Um, so uh, she's, she's really good about that. Yeah. And the, yeah, the framing is, is excellent. And just even the, I don't know what there's definitely a series of things found in the pocket or in the washing machine or just kind of wherever, but I think they're, I think it's great. You know, that's the, everything's laid out spatially. It's uh, it's really great. So folks check that out. Uh, Emmerich home. And then another thing, again, I, I wasn't, 
her sister, you know, I, I watch, you know, America's Got Talent. And so the fact that, you know, her sister is Mandy, who, you know, moved so many by her, you know, amazing talents and then her story is just, it was, uh, that was unexpectedly awesome to, to tie that all together. So that was just, uh, I think I wouldn't be doing, you know, the whole story justice if I didn't, you know, mention that. Oh, yeah. So uh, Mandy, her, her name is Mandy Harvey. She's my uh, wife's sister. She was um, lost her hearing while she um, was studying music in college. And her one thing, the thing that she was passionate about, of course, was music. And when she lost her hearing due to a, a connective tissue disorder, um, she thought she was done. And um, she was encouraged uh, by her, uh, my father-in-law, her dad, um, and some other people to um, just try to uh, see if she could do it. And she uses visual tuners, like on you, you can get it for your iPhone if you're trying to tune your guitar or, you know, thing, but that visual gives her a sense that she's on key and she learned that she could um, sing again through muscle memory and, um, you know, feeling the music through the floor. So she, when she sings and does performances, she, uh, she does it barefoot so she could feel the vibrations of the floor. And, um, uh, you know, Katie and I kind of witnessed her whole story uh, from afar because we were busy starting our lives and she was still in uh, school and, um, didn't really quite know everything that was going on. And she had the opportunity last summer to be on America's Got Talent and ended up getting Simon Cowell's golden buzzer, <laughs> which was crazy. Cause I, like, I, it, it's just weird when like, you don't know anyone famous your whole life. <laughs> and then all of a sudden your sister-in-law who, who, um, you know, blew chocolate milk out her nose and you made a joke, <laughs> you know, at the, right. at the kitchen table, you know, uh, it, it, all of a sudden is now like people are like, no, know you because of her, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that, uh, so, um, that was a fun experience, uh, especially for our kids because they were excited to see their aunt Mandy on television. And so we did some, a few things as graphic designers to kind of help support her. And through the years we've designed some of her, um, album. She's had a couple of albums that came out a while back um, uh, and uh, helped design some of those. And um, we're working on some projects in secret right now for some future stuff for her. Um, but her career has just kind of exploded, which is really fun to see. And um, hopefully she's um, very close to signing a, with a major record label. And um, so that experience was just out of the blue, crazy fun. And the, it kind of the whole family, um, Katie's family, has been really busy dealing with how to how to manage that whole situation, and um, it's very different because uh, everywhere you go when we when we're hanging out with her, like there's always people that recognize her and are coming up now, and it's you just have a different appreciation for people who have to deal with that on a daily basis. You can't go out in your sweatpants anymore, so um, that's that's been her experience. So it's been kind of funny and fun to watch. Yeah, that's great. No, because I was d diving down the you know the home account and I the the try uh, you know topography and kind of the sketches early on that you know that uh, Katie made. Oh, I was loving that, and I was trying to figure out how how I could buy a few of those. And then I was then and then and you're scrolling through and you see a picture of Manny, and I was like, oh, I was like, oh cool, I like that episode too. That was really great. And I just kind of went through, and I was like, oh shit, I'm like there. Okay, oh okay, there. Okay, okay, yeah. So. So, yeah, so that kind of was a, a choppy way to get into our last question that we like to ask folks. When you're, when you're creating 
you know, at Emmerich office, do you have certain type of music or what, what is the kind of uh, scene there? Are you a kind of a peace and quiet kind of person? I mean, obviously you have kids, so that, that's kind of a contradiction, but um, you know, what's, what, what are you listening to Josh? Or do you listen to music while you create? So um, my, uh, our office is in the basement and um so it kind of does create a little bit of boundary between like the kids coming home and still being able to have skype meetings or for me to talk to you like this um, without interruption um so i have a uh i like to it, it just really depends on what i'm working on I, I i very much approach projects a little bit like a method actor where i'm just super ingrained into what i'm doing and um what i mean by that is like if i'm like when I was working on speakeasy stuff, I was watching every single gangster or film noir movie I could possibly get my hands on, um, you know, listening to music from the twenties. And so it's, it, I very much get caught up into, um, I have kind of an obsessive personality and my daughter, ha a couple of my kids have this too. Um, especially my daughter that I mentioned before where like when we're interested in something, we just consume that one thing until, like we're so full, full and sick of it. Then we moved on to the next thing. And so I think in terms of like creative environment, um, there's two things that I do. One, it's sort of surrounding myself with whatever that interest is. And um, in, a, in my office right now, I, I'll, if I'm going to spend this much time in a room, I want to surround, have, be surrounded by the things that I love. Um, so I've got my like um, the, the Star Wars figures that I had when I was a kid displayed on a shelf and I just like having those things around um, work by other designers that I really admire and love and things that we've traded for and then I'm kind of more I have a hard time uh, focusing when I just listen to music and sometimes when I really need to crank on a project um, I kind of need a story to listen to to kind of keep me engaged because sometimes like it's just easy to get bored or get sick of you know, drawing the same shape or working on this really tedious illustration. So sometimes I need something to keep my mind going. So that might mean listening to a movie on my iPad while I'm drawing on my uh, Wacom tablet or um, listening to an audiobook um, and just working through audiobooks, uh, especially if it relates to some of the things that I'm working on. So um, in terms of music, uh, it's all over the place. In terms of movies, it's all over the place. I think it, one of the things that I feel like is I'll find a way to appreciate just about anything. Um, and I think part of that is as designers, you have to have some level of empathy to figure out like, why is this good? Why do why does this thing resonate with people? And cause it's not just about what you like, it's really kind of getting to, into the head of what other people really like uh, as well and finding a way for you to appreciate it just as much as they do. All right. Well, Josh, yeah, I, I, I'm honestly, I could talk to you for hours. I feel there's so much I didn't, you know, maybe we'll have to do a part two down the, down the road, but I really, <laughs> when, when Cavers comes out or something, we'll, we'll do a follow up or maybe we'll just, you know, next time I'm uh, in your area. But yeah, I just, I really, I really, I just want to thank you. I really enjoy your story, your, your focus and what you're, you're, you're doing. I mean, obviously visually and your storytelling through your work is it's amazing. It's, um, you know, it's uh, just really a positive story. Uh, you know, I love your, your characters, you know, and the imagery that, you know, it definitely evokes uh, emotions and it really uh, hits home with me. And uh, I just want to wish you, you know, and uh, your wife and the family, you know, nothing but success in the future. I really just uh, appreciate it. I appreciate you making the time, especially given how busy you are with everything. 
Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, my friend. And uh, this is we're gonna uh, we're gonna go crazy. This is gonna go live tomorrow, so we're gonna be up late tonight editing. But uh, we're really excited. You know, kids kids vacation came first, and we're gonna rock and roll this one tonight. So I, um, it's as close to a, a live performance as we're ever gonna have. So I'm excited. Cool. Well, thank you very much. It's been a fun chatting with you all, and um, yeah, good luck tonight editing. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, we'll be up. We'll both be burning the midnight oil for different reasons, but I, I appreciate it. And uh, like I said, hopefully I get to thank you in person, you know, in, in the future. But uh, you know, until next time, uh, you know, thanks so much, Josh. Well, definitely over a beer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I look, I look forward to that, and um, maybe we'll play some board games while we're having a couple of beers tied all together. That sounds good to me. All right, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Josh. Take care. Cheers. And there we have it. Episode number 56. Cinquenta y seis con mi amigo Josh Emrick. Right here at the 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. I hope you all dig that one as much as I did. I really enjoyed the opportunity to learn more about Josh, his great story, how he approaches a campaign, the stories he's telling both you know, on the labels and just board games. It's just a great story of hard work. You know, there is no silver bullet. There's no shortcut. There's no contra code. But... If you're a grinder, if you work your ass off and it becomes part of you in art, in life, good things will happen. It's definitely not going to be easy. I can't promise you that. We won't promise you that. But stories like Josh's and and Katie's are really inspiring because they allow you to look at things, you know, set your goals, define what you know, being a, a business owner is an entrepreneur, running your own business, and how that's going to go. You have to make those decisions. You know, early on. You know, Josh has some prior battle scars, some blood, sweat, and tears. Working that agency life, working for others. You know, eventually trying to do his own thing with you know tinfoil, and eventually led him to this. So I think. One common theme that comes up a lot is that is the path and working and growing professionally and personally and how you look at things and what your priorities are. You know, one theme that came up a lot with Josh was empathy, and I think that's a, a unique perspective. I think that's something that more people can have or should have or should look to, you know, understand more is having empathy towards others and that shared perspective and compassion and his kids get to be a part of that and that's really awesome i know when i'm recording even doing this that my goal is that you know the kids see what we're doing and see that this is something that i'm passionate about and that whatever goals or dreams that they have or you have that maybe just when you listen each week or, you know, you're on a road trip somewhere and you're taking this with you or you're on a plane right now and you're going somewhere or you're just kind of spacing out where they're with you. There's a lot, probably a lot of decisions you're trying to think about in that free time, you know, that project or that job or, 
you know, maybe maybe there's someone you're really interested in. Who knows? But take that chance. We hope that at the very least, you know, there's folks that are diving in, giving it a shot. It's always better to say you tried and failed than you know, have a lot of what ifs. And that's that's something that I don't know. I'm almost 40 years old. I know, folks, you see the baby face. It's hard to believe. But yes, this has there's some wear and tear on this package. And I'd like to think that, you know, the story's not over, that there's some opportunities and some new things that we're going to try. And we're going to fail. We'll get back up again. We'll probably fail again, but I don't want to have any regrets. So we are getting off the soapbox now. We are giving out some hugs and some high fives, everybody. But it was a great episode. I'm really proud of this one. So hopefully you enjoyed this one. This was episode number 56, the first episode of our second year. Holy shit. Year two is starting off with a bang. We are still in season number five. That is coming to a wrap in a few weeks. We will be finalizing season number six. Remember, this summer, the Art of Craft Beer Show in New Haven, Connecticut. More details coming soon, but don't be a stranger. We have a great lineup of some of the alumni of the 16-ounce canvas, and it is going to be something special. The face made for radio will be seen in person. So don't go anywhere. We thank you all. It means the world to us. We're having a great time. Don't forget to keep sending those suggestions. Just use the hashtag and we will find you. Until next week, as we always say, goodbye. But just remember also, emric, E-M-R-I-C-H dot co. That's the website, Emric Office, Emric Home on Instagram. I'm AJ, and until next week, I don't think we do it enough, but we will try one more time. Thank you, and you, and you. See you soon, everybody. Cheers.